that's probably a little particular about my my story as well that I've been on on both sides of the table. Yeah. yeah. Um, so already when my company got acquired and you started to go in Germany, I was always you know very interested in this whole process. Welcome to the Open IC, the show where we talk to the movers and shakers in M&A, the teams behind the deals and how the deals really went down. This show is brought to you by Fintel.io, the hiring and project platform for M&A and strategy professionals. I'm your host, Toby Liebsch. All right. Today I'm talking to Steffen Schibester. Steffen is the CEO of North America and Vice President of Corporate Development at Send in Blue. He previously co-founded that newsletter to go, which was acquired by Send in Blue in 2018. Hey, Steffen. Hey, thanks for Steffen. having me. Yeah, Steffen, when we scheduled our call, um, I used the Send in Blue scheduling form and I got a reminder via email and SMS uh, an hour before the appointment. So it was a pretty smooth experience. Yeah, that's, that's how it should be. I mean, that's what... What we, we really try to, to excel in is to have a, have a very easy to use experience in all of our software. Awesome. And, and, uh, to dive right in, like which of the apps that we used to that flow. So there was the meeting app, there was the, um, there was the SMS app, there was the, the email reminder. So which apps of these were actually built versus which were actually recently bought? Yeah. So actually our, all, uh, the, the entire meeting solution was just recently acquired. So this is something. Um, you know, where we'll probably talk about this later, like build versus buy, yeah. uh, is, is of course an important decision whatever we do, but this experience really from a company that we acquired externally. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. So I've actually been a center of the blues in the past for quite a, um, couple of years. I think the last time I used center blue must have been in 2019 and, um, Around like 2018, 2019, it was mostly like really known for being like the European email solution. And I think then they, they added a CRM uh, at some point. That was kind of a really new, pretty much just contacts. And now fast forward two years, like pretty much a lot of things have changed. So can you give me a bit of context of, of where Send in Blue actually now plays in that whole uh, digital marketing space? Yeah, sure. So, like you said, basically we've really started as an email marketing solution in the, in the very beginning, uh, like a lot of other um, companies in our field as well. And it, it kind of started with an agency first, like a web agency. And then we saw the need of an email marketing solution. So we went into email marketing and over time we added more and more features that complement that product. And the overall mission of, of Send and Blue is to enable small and medium businesses to grow their business online and to stay in touch and foster their relationships with, with their customers. Um, so email marketing is one channel that is highly profitable and works really well, but over time we've seen that there's more demand from our customers and we try to extend our, our product this way. So we added more channels, for example, text messaging, marketing automation. So we were one of the mm. first ones to, to really offer comprehensive marketing automation. We have a landing page builder, Facebook ads, um, and like you mentioned, also the sales CRM, and then recently we acquired three companies in the e-commerce space who are helping us to include even more features, for example, the push notification, um, side as well as the chat, uh, set chat solution. So you can really talk to your customers like conversational marketing and also messengers. Um, yeah, this is really, um, our, our path forward to basically to provide a solution in Mm. for all kinds of online marketing channels and even, yeah. even, um, in, in 
customer service and even sales. Yeah. Talk to me a bit about the strategy behind that, because um, you, you touched upon it just now already, but especially in the marketing field, like I have a marketing background and and there's so many little gimmicks and apps. And, and, and if you look on Product Hunt, there's new kind of marketing tools every day. Um, so I imagine, especially for your M&A strategy, it's, it's quite important to actually have a concise strategy, right? To actually see what you want to buy. For sure. And Sand and Blue is a very product centric company and I know a product and customer centric company. And I know this, like a lot of companies say that about themselves, but I, I truly believe it's the case for Sand and Blue. Uh, we've really focused on building the best product out there and we've really focused on small and medium customers. Um, which is, it's not easy because SMBs typically don't have that much knowledge in when it comes to tech or online yeah. marketing or, or other tools. So we really have to provide a very easy to use solution that's yeah. accessible and affordable. So that's, that's what we do. Um, and we see like an increased demand. Of course, every, everybody is, is advancing, especially yeah. driven through the pandemic. Everybody had to go, uh, digital. And that was a big challenge for, for a lot of small businesses that, you know, they had to shut down maybe their, their offline store mm -hmm. and they, all of a sudden they had to go digital. And, um, so we are really trying to provide all the tools that are needed to grow your business online. And of oh. course it's a lot of marketing side, but also sales and customer service. Yeah. Um, and like I said, keeping in touch, like conversational marketing, I think is very has been proven very powerful, especially when, when you're not in touch offline anymore or not, yep. not as much at least. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's easy to say we're doing, uh, like we're trying to cover everything that SMB needs, uh, but at the same time, you're also playing in an incredibly crowded space, probably the most crowded space <laughs> in the <laughs> software space. Right. So like, um, a couple of the things like, of course, HubSpot is trying to be the all-in-one solution. Intuit recently bought MailChimp, which was before kind of the big Sandy Blue competitor. Glavio raised a huge Series D, I think 320 yeah. million or something. So um, how do you manage to stand out? I mean, of course, like I always use Sandy Blue because it was the European competitor, you know? So that was that was my kind of, as a German, that was me. Okay, they have, they have I think, French originally, right? Or Yeah, Sandy Blue, yes, yeah. exactly. It's, it's French originally. Um, my company newsletter to go was founded in Germany and then acquired by, by yeah. Blue, which made us the European market leader, yeah. like, like you mentioned, but of course there are some competitors, especially in the U S that yeah. you just mentioned like MailChimp or, or Clavio active yeah. campaign, HubSpot to a certain degree that of course are really well funded and yeah. the U S is a, it's a huge market. And so typically you see that the U S players come to Europe other like over. You, yeah. European players going to the S market, which we're trying to do yeah. currently. Um, yeah, so it's, of course, it's, it's always challenging to stand out in a, a crowded market. However, there are, you know, differences in the offerings that the, the companies that you just mentioned yeah. have. And, um, so for example, Clavio is very focused on, on e-commerce yeah. much more than anybody else. And HubSpot originally came from this, from the CRM, from the sales site, and then yeah. they added marketing tools to it. Uh, we're more coming from the marketing side and we're adding more, but I agree that the overall vision is, is, is pretty similar for all these companies that want to provide this all, all in one solution, yeah. um, to our customer, to, to their customer base, yeah. um, where I think we're, you know, we, we execute really well. We have a broad, uh, feature set and, um, you know, we're, like I said, we're very affordable and accessible, easy to yeah. use and, um, and. Uh, compared to a HubSpot where 
um, a lot um, le a lot more affordable and especially for SMBs that's that's incredibly yep. important we're a European company so data privacy has has been increasingly important especially yep. with you know Apple and Google even going into that direction last year yep. and I think it's here to stay so that's Absolutely. that's really good as, as a European company following GDPR and so on that we're very aware of this and, and comply with everything of course we have great customer service in in six languages so uh, yeah. we provide customer service 24 7 basically from um from three different time zones yeah and really four different also. time zones yeah. yeah so it's it's yeah. yeah there's you know there's there's differences if you look in detail yeah yeah that makes that makes total sense that makes total sense um let's talk a bit about buy versus build because that's of course super interesting i think i, I stumbled upon uh, you uh, especially because uh, in I think it was September. So, so you raised a um, Series B, which was um, I think 160 million or something like that. Um, 160 million, yes, yeah, 160 yeah. In, in late 22. Um, and, and looking at the track record after that, it was probably like like mostly acquisition based, right? So um, in uh, in September, you bought three e-commerce related companies. I think one was in the push notification space, another one in the email yeah. automation space. So. Then tell me about those acquisitions actually, because I think they were all American companies, if I'm, if I'm not mistaken. So tell me about the um, those acquisitions actually. Yeah, so we acquired three companies that are all in the e-commerce space. The first one was Push Owl, which is a push web push notification company yeah. specialized on shop on the Shopify ecosystem. It's actually yeah. one of the I think top thirty apps worldwide. Wow. Um and they're actually based in India. Wow. So it's an Indian company. We already had an Indian office. Uh, one of the co founders was actually Indian, so we we still have a big office there. Uh, so that was the first acquisition. Um, the second one was a company called Metrilo from uh, Bulgaria. Okay. They're really focused on e-commerce analytics, almost in the direction like CDP. Um, and it gives you all, all, in, all kinds of information, very valuable yeah. information on best-selling products, on customer lifetime and so on. And combined with the marketing automation that we offer, it's, it's very powerful. And the third one is a company called Chatra. And that is a, you know, globally distributed company Yeah, uh, it's a U.S. company, but the founders are in Russia and Greece and, uh, their employees are all over the world, mm -hmm. basically. And Chatra is really focused on e-commerce, um, chat solutions, messenger solutions. Yep. That's uh, what I mentioned before the conversational yep. marketing. Oh, awesome. And that was, that was, uh, the only three transactions last year. Did you do anything more in the last, let's say 12 months? Yeah, that were, that were the, the only transactions. And yeah. now just very, very recently we acquired an Austrian company called Meatfox. Yeah. Um, and they're in the, you know, scheduling and meeting space. Oh yeah. Was that actually the meat, uh, meat street that we used today? Yeah, exactly. Nice. Yeah. Meatfox. Good, good job, guys. Good tool. <laughs> I like it. Um, before we go into integration, cause like, that's something I want to touch upon later. Like, how do you actually integrate all these uh, different solutions into your solution? I kind of want to take a step back and look a bit at like how you actually do M&A. So are you the only M&A uh, responsible in the company or, or how, do you have a little team around you? So pretty much I'm, I'm the only, the only one when it comes to managing the, the flow kind yeah. of, or the yeah. pipeline. Yeah. Um, I, I have a lot of support, like internal support from, especially from our fi finance team, from yep. our CFO. And then I just check in with a lot of stakeholders within the company that give me feedback on, on the ideas that I bring in yep. and also participate in the whole process. Okay. Okay. Wow. 
And that's interesting because I took to LinkedIn and I, I didn't see a traditional M&A kind of background. So how did you actually move into, into this role? I mean, you were acquired first and then you yeah. moved into the, the VP of corporate development role. So how did that happen? Yeah, that's probably a little particular about my, my story as well, that I've been on, on both sides of the table. Yeah. yeah. Um, so already when my company got acquired and you started to go in Germany, I was always, you know, very interested in this whole process. Um, yeah. You know, we worked with an M&A advisor back in the day. We talked yeah. to a lot of, uh, a lot of other companies, negotiations, you know, yeah, yeah. Um, SPA and so on. It was quite, I thought it was quite interesting and pretty interested in general and in investing as well yeah. and whole financing. So it kind of wasn't that, like, I stumbled upon it basically. Yeah. Um, I, I, I just got involved in the project internally last year when we started acquiring uh, these three companies mm. and we obviously we needed some resource, we needed some help. Um, so, so I was there and I, yeah, I, I just participated in the process, which led to ultimately, ultimately me being uh, promoted to the VP of corporate development. And yeah. in that role, you know, I, I managed the, like I said, the whole pipeline basically of, yeah. of uh, all of our M&A transactions. Yeah. How do you pick up the skills needed? Because I mean, you, you were on the, on the selling side, of course, um, but how do yeah. you pick up the, the skills needed? Because I mean, the M&A process is such a particular process and it's so standardized and everyone kind of knows the game, right? And then you come yeah. in as an outsider, you don't have a finance background, you don't have a legal background. So how do you pick up this process? I don't know. It's just learning, learning by doing, I think in my case, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't have like investment banking uh, background or anything like that. Yeah. Um, in the end, I think it's very similar to a sales process though, like yeah. in any, any kind of sales process, the companies that we acquired last year, they were partly op opportunistic and partly very strategic. So we, yeah. you know, we did outreach and we had a long list, short list. We talked to a lot of candidates and started yeah. negotiating with them. Uh, so, you know, I led the whole process of course, and it's, you know, it's like with any kind of uh, cold outreach, um, yeah. or any sales process, it's, it's very similar. It's a very similar funnel. So yeah. I don't know, it's, I, I didn't find it very difficult yeah. to get into this. Of yeah. course there is, you know, you need to know a bit about finance and KPIs yeah. and about legal, uh, background. Um, but in the end, you know, I rely also of course on, on expert subject matter experts in each of these topics. Yeah. We're working with lawyers and like I said, our, you know, our finance team's helping as well. Um, yep. So your finance team is mostly doing, let's say modeling and valuation topics or how do you, how do you say that? Um, so the, the finance team is doing, you know, the financial due diligence. Um, yep. I, I, I would say I, I do some of the due diligence, like the high level due diligence. So I look yep. at, I, yep. I have a list of, of financial metrics that I always mm -hmm. look at first, that the most important ones like revenue, EBIT, growth, yeah. and then all the, you know, the other metrics that are important for in the, in the SaaS space, yeah. like retention, customer lifetime value, customer acquisition costs, and so on. And we have, a, you know, we, we defined a investment hypothesis basically last year. Mm -hmm. when we start, started acquiring, acquiring more companies. Okay. And, you know, I tried to follow that. I have my own framework 
Yeah. Uh, I try to evaluate companies by that framework and then depending on how, how good they perform, we continue or yeah. drop out of the process. Interesting. Is there anything you can share about that uh, hypothesis or is it too confidential? Yeah, I think I can, I can share like high level. It's, yeah. uh, it's not, a, it's not a big secret. Yeah. I mean, we've, the, the type of companies that we've acquired, were all, um, you know, relatively small. So our company now, Sen and Blue, I think we, we just reached like 550 employees by yeah, now. Yeah. Um, so we're not a huge company, but we're also, I think we're not a, not a startup anymore, right? Yeah. Maybe scale up or whatever you want to. <laughs> whatever you want to call it. Yeah, yeah. And back in the day when my company newsletter to go was acquired, that was a whole different game. Newsletter to go, I think was 70 to 80 employees back in 28, yeah. end of 2018 and Blue was about 150. Yeah. Um, so it was almost like a merger of two companies rather well, than, um, an, a pure acquisition. Yeah. Um, and I think we learned a lot from that process as well, uh, because it, you know, it, I think it was successful in the end, but it, it wasn't, wasn't all, you know, roses and butterfly. It was, yeah. it was a lot of hard work and plus it was the first acquisition on, on both sides. Yeah. So we, we ha really had a lot of learnings from that. So, um, what we took from that was to rather go for smaller companies, maybe mm -hmm. up to 30 to 40 employees, okay, which are easier to integrate. We're purely looking at product extensions. Yeah. So we, we're not looking to consolidate the market at this point, for example, yeah. like I said, we're a very product centric company. So we're really looking for companies that can complement our product and make yeah. it better yeah. and bring new value to our, to our, um, solution. So that's very important. We're looking for companies that grow faster than us, right? That's important. Um, that have shown a first, uh, product market fit. So for a first yeah. product market fit, what does it mean? For me, it means that they reach at least seven digit revenues. Yeah. I think that's, that's a, a good, like minimum standard that you should reach to show that you have some reached some kind of product market fit. Yeah. Uh, then there has to be like a clear path to profit profitability. It doesn't have to be profitable at the time, but, uh, it shouldn't be, you know, you shouldn't, uh, make 1 million in revenue and burn 10 million yeah, every year. That's yeah. nothing we would look, look into, um, for us, the way we integrate products and teams is that really focused on keeping the team on board. Mm -hmm. We believe in, you know, building the best team together and yeah. we believe that the founders should stay on board. So it's, again, it's not a consolidation play where yeah. we try to get rid of the team and just, uh, you know, keep the, the revenue and the yeah. customers for us, it's really. Uh, it's really important that the team is on board, that they stay on board and that they're motivated to, to build something bigger with us. So that's yep. super important as well. And you're and of course, of that, yeah. yeah. And of course it has to be some kind of attractive market for us. It might be, might be a little different target group or yep. it might be a little different product and so on. And I think, yep. I mean, the examples that we had, the push notifications, a feature that we hadn't. Yeah, um, that we hadn't offered, or the chat solution, or the messenger solution. Yeah, yeah. A feature that we had offered, but with the acquisition, it, uh, it will become much, much better. These yeah. are uh, good examples of things that you know that we're interested in. Yeah, yeah. Tell me a bit about also your acquisition because you just mentioned okay, you were eighty uh, and you were acquired by a company with one hundred forty uh, employees. 
Um, was that then a complementary feature at that point, or was it a, was it a competitor, or how was that interaction back then? Yeah, back back then, I I don't think it was uh, the the same type of uh, you know acquisition as we do currently. Yeah. It was much more uh, the market extension in this case, a geographical yeah. ex extension. Um, yeah. So Newsletter Two was super strong in the German speaking market, Germany, Austria, Switzerland, and a bit in the Nordics and Netherlands. Yeah. But we didn't really succeed in, you know, in other European countries or in North America. Yeah. Um, and then in, in other European countries, we saw, you know, bigger competitors comes mail up in Italy yeah. and there was send and blue and Mailjet in France. Uh, so Europe is kind of hard to crack in a way because yeah. there are so many different cultures and languages, uh, whereas the U S is maybe a little more homogenous, I would say, yeah, or at least from like a culture and, and language standpoint. Yeah. So it was, was not easy to, to basically fight against these local players in the European market. And our, you know, our goal was to build something global, something bigger than just Europe. Yeah. Um, and we, like you, like you mentioned, we had these U S competitors that had a lot of money that had a big market share. And for us, it didn't make sense to compete with the European companies uh, that were relatively small compared to the yeah. US players. While there, you know, there's the big, the big players out there that we should, we Absolutely. should, you know, fight together in a way. Yeah. So that's that's kind of how we, how we saw it, and this is why we started the process back, back in 2018 to see if there's any European yeah. player that could complement us. And in the end, you know. Send and Blue was super strong in, in France, yeah. obviously UK and Spain. So it was very complimentary um, and made a lot of sense back in the True. day. And is your, is your team or is, is a big part of your team still on board now, two years after the acquisition or three years actually? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's actually three over three years now. Yeah. I mean, yes, but I mean, there's also normal you know, yeah. normal churn in, in the team. So yes, we have, we still have people who, who were part of, of news to go. We're still in send and blue. Uh, I'm still here as well. My, my colleague CEO of, yep. of the Berlin office, Max is also still on board, but also some, some people left, of course. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. Not. How is it for you to being an ex-founder now working in a, I wouldn't say the corporate because Standard Blue doesn't have like a huge corporate structure yet, but of course you were a founder, you built the company from scratch and now you work in a pretty big company. How was the transition for you? Yeah. So, uh, when I, when I joined Standard Blue, of course, things changed quite dramatically, I would say for me. Yeah. Um, and I had to find my new role and, uh, then in, in 2020, I had the opportunity to, to move to Toronto. Um, to the East coast to open our North America business in a way we we've had a, an office in Seattle since 2015, yeah. that office is very focused on customer service, basically customer service, yeah. customer success. So we didn't really have an office in North America that was focused on go to market strategy, business development, yeah. marketing, and so on. And we, we had seen a good uptick in activity in the North American market, good traction yeah. uh, and good trajectory. So we really wanted to open this kind of business development office on the East coast as well, because communicating between Europe and Seattle, it's nine hour time yeah. difference. It's not easy. It's very little overlap. So we decided to open an office on the East coast 
Um, and then, yeah, I said, well, I'll, I'll go and, and open it here. So we, we moved here in mid of 2020, in the middle of the pandemic, uh, there's yeah. either things to do for sure, but it still, still worked out in the end. Um, yeah, no, it's still a small office. We're 17 people in, in Toronto at the moment, yeah. uh, but it's, it's growing nicely and yeah, yeah. that's really our 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 focus now and for me as a founder it kind of feels like i'm i'm building something again a new team which is yeah. really fun so um, that's that's also part of my responsibility that i'm the it ceo of North worker yeah yeah exactly. it's, it's a nice office it's yeah, a nice for sure. office for sure yeah and a good neighborhood um let's talk a bit about integration because of course um the the big challenge in marketing uh, tech or my is, is always kind of the, the integration part and how to all the tools belong together in a way and of course some of your competitors they've either built everything or try to be the all-in-one solution it's also kind of the direction you're trying to take um how, how do you how do you integrate uh, companies so how where do you start when you look at integration because of course the tech stack is also can, can be completely different um the experience and team can be completely different so walk me a bit through it like how do you yeah. first of all where do you when do you start with integration do you look at it already before the acquisition or yeah. um and then how does it work sure well, I, I think in general, the, the types of companies that we acquire, they're very similar when it comes to the company culture and DNA. Uh, so the product approach is typically very similar to what we offer. Yeah. Uh, when it comes to the persona, like SMB space, yeah. when it comes to the user experience in general, easy to use and affordable. Uh, so that makes things easier. And then mm -hmm. always we have a high priority on the, on the team. And mm -hmm. we see, you know, if the team is willing and excited about this mission and that's, you know, half of the, um, the game plan already to have the team on, on yeah. board. If the team is motivated, they'll do everything they can. Um, I think in our company, um, yeah. like I said, we've been growing pretty fast. It's, Absolutely. it kind of feels like a startup still. But it's getting bigger and we're more of a scale up now and we have, you know, some structures and so on. So some growth pains, I would say in general, yeah. Yeah. which is not easy to overcome. Um, and so, you know, as, as a, as a founder joining Senate Blue, I think it's super important to be proactive as well. I always tell everybody, you know, before they join as well, um, because we, we don't have like a, a playbook, for example, yeah. to roll out. Every company is in, is, is, you know, has a, its own custom plan, kind of its in, individual plan, right. depending on how strong they are in their market, yeah. for example, push owl, right? Push owl is a, is a very strong contender in the Shopify marketplace. We don't want to cannibalize the brand there. Yeah. They're kind of the, like their own business unit. Uh, so they run push owl and at the same time, they integrate their features into send and blue. Oh. And this is kind of the approach that we take. Um, most of the time where, where we try to give these teams and the founders that we acquire still a lot of, um, you know, autonomy and mm -hmm. power that they can still lead their, their teams and their products Yeah, because in the end we're acquiring them for their knowledge and for what they've built. And we know there's a good trajectory behind that project. Yeah. So we don't, we don't want them to follow only our rules. We want them to, to be empowered and continue building what they've built just in a bigger context. Yeah. And giving them access to more tools, more resources, more money, right? That's what we can, we can help with. And this is, yeah. I think, where we're strong. Um, so 
Um, long story short, there is no, there is no playbook. Everybody is, is different. Now yeah. uh, we start talking about integration on a high level before we do a deal, of course, because we have to yeah. see what the founders think about this plan. We have to yeah. internally agree what the, what the plan is and if it makes sense and how long it will take. And mm -hmm. like you said, there's always the question if build or buy is better. And sometimes, you know, we also decide that maybe building one feature internally makes more sense than acquiring a company in that field. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, we, we, we try to, we try to talk about this high level before the acquisition. And then we start, yeah. um, we, we start to, to work on it on the, on a team basis, basically on each yeah. team. How closely are you integrated with, um, the product department or the product strategy in, in Sun and Blue? Cause that sounds like product essentially needs, needs to be there for half the conversation. Yeah, for sure. So we, we basically made a, like a strategic decision on where Send and Blue should, or what Send and Blue should evolve into. So we yeah. had some workshops with the whole C-level basically last year. Yeah. And that kind of laid out the strategy for, for the next year when it comes to M&A strategy. Yeah. So that's always important. And then of course, when I have a product demo, for example, or a tool that I'm interested in, um, then I try to include the product team. I have, you know, bi-weekly bi meetings with our CPO. So I, I talk to him quite a lot, get his yep. feedback uh, and so on. So I, I, I'm actually, my background at newsletter to go was a lot on the product and, and tech side as well. Mm -hmm. So I, I think I can, like I have a more or less a good evaluation at, at high level. And then yep. when it comes to more details, I always include the product team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Stefan, I want to close the conversation with a couple of uh, rapid fire questions. <laughs> what is what is your biggest headache leading M and A? Leading M and A, um, so sometimes I really like a product and I just can't get hold of the founders. That has happened to me a couple of times in the past, where I'm like, oh, this would be an, an awesome fit. This looks like a great company. Um, great reviews and, and looks like a great team, but just nobody's responding. And I try through all kinds of ways to contact them through network, through cold emails, phone calls, and so on, but just never be able to, to reach anybody. So that's, that's yeah. pretty frustrating. Yeah. What is something that you need from your CEO in order to be successful? Uh, I think, uh, the, the most important thing is feedback, right? So I, I get probably five, six decks every week, uh, more than, more than one opportunity every week. And, you know, I, I sort out, uh, 80, 90% of it. And then it's super important to align with, uh, with our global CEO on, on the strategy and get feedback on the opportunities that are left. I think that's super important. Awesome. And last question, how do you stay on top of the market? Um, it's, oh, it's, it's a good question. I think it's, it's a mix of, you know, being proactive and also, um, at the same time, you know, getting a lot of information myself. So for example, we have some, some internal channels in our Slack where we collect a lot of resources, a lot of developments on the market that we share with, with others. So mm -hmm. that's always a good source of, of, of new developments, of course. 
And then for me, you know, I read blogs and so on that yeah. I'm, I'm interested in. We have a PR firm that we work with who's always trying to push like new topics and is, is always on top of the game. So that's always, always good, of course, to, to stay in the loop as well. Awesome. Stefan, thank you so much for your time. Where can our followers reach you if they want to sell their company, work with you, ask you a question? Yep. Yeah, I think the easiest way is to go through LinkedIn, Stefan Schibesta on LinkedIn, if you want to connect. Um, and if you, if you have a proposal, I think it's easiest to send a message there. And I typically respond unless it's, uh, it's spam or promotional. <laughs> um, so that's, I think the easiest way. And of course, uh, sendblue.com if you need any other resources. Awesome, Stefan. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Thank you for joining us in the OpenIC. If you like this episode, don't forget to subscribe to our show wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also leave a review, that really helps, and connect with us for feedback on fintalent.io. See you next time.